time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. So good to have you with us on this special podcast. We have recorded a series of podcasts in the month of January reviewing what various economic forecasts are by various economists. One of the interviews that we are unable to get recorded and published in our normal, regular Monday podcast was the interview that I am about to share with you. So stay tuned. This is the interview with Barry Habib. He has been so accurate in his predictions about interest rates and what's going on. You're going to really enjoy this interview. He breaks it down in a way that so many can understand it. Barry Habib is an American entrepreneur and a frequent media resource for all of his mortgage and housing industry expertise. He's the number one bestseller and author of his book, Money in the Streets. He's also a frequent guest on CNBC and Fox. He's also the CEO of MBS Highway, the industry's most highly regarded and recognized tool for transforming salespeople into advisors. Barry is a two-time Crystal Ball Award winner for 2018 and 2020 by Zillow and is one of the most accurate real estate forecasts out of 150 top economists in the United States. It's a pretty big honor. Also in 2019, he was named the Mortgage Professional of the Year by National Mortgage Professional Magazine. Also in 2019, he is a finalist for the prestigious Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award. Barry is also also named to the esteemed Mortgage Global 100 list for 2021 by the Mortgage Professional America in conjunction with the Canadian Mortgage Professional and NZ Advisor and Mortgage Professional of Australia. As an innovator, Barry has founded a number of successful businesses across different verticals. For example, the Mortgage Market Guide, also Healthcare Imaging Solutions, Certified Mortgage Associates, founding partner in Social Survey. Remember, we had Scott Harris on recently talking about the name rebranding and the changing of the name from Social Survey to Experience.com. Lots of experience during his mortgage sales career. Barry personally originated over $2 billion. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with Barry Habib. We're going to talk about all things related to your world, listeners. Talking about interest rates, housing, what's going on in the stock market. You've got some extra money to invest. Barry's really good at all of this. So Barry, good to have you to the podcast. So, so great to be with you, my dear friend. I appreciate you. So many stories about your generosity, your sense of giving, and I, I love that about you. There's so many things I can celebrate about the life of Barry Habib, but this is one of the things that I really value about you is you are so unselfish. Being as much of a public figure as you are, you are very, very giving. So I want to say thank you to how you've blessed my life and do that publicly right on the front end of this good interview. As are you, my friend. I mean, I love you. You're a wonderful person. You get it. People like you just know that life is about giving. It is. There's that great book, Givers and Takers. I love those books. Anything that talks about that topic. But let's get in talking about interest rate projections. You have been one of, if not the most accurate economist or prognosticator of interest rates, but you have been amazingly accurate. And that's why I'm so excited to have you on to share what probably some have already heard, but I want to make sure that our audience gets it. Yeah. Interest rates are something that many people are forecasting to move up. They cite some really good points. People are talking about Inflation. Interest rates are predicated on two things, David, credit quality and inflation. 
And the reason why credit quality is obvious. The riskier that you'll get your payments on time or get your money back, the more that you need to be compensated for taking on that risk. But let's assume in the housing market today that borrowers are well qualified. In the housing market, the underlying collateral is really good. So credit quality is almost off the table, which really leaves inflation. So a lot of people hear that, but they don't get it. So David, the way that that works is pretty simple. Imagine you were kind enough to give me a loan and I'm paying you every month. If that amount were, let's say, 2000 bucks, you go out and you get a list of items with that 2000 bucks, and you buy that list of items every month for the next few months. But over time, you notice that something starts to change. You can't get everything on that list because inflation, as it rises, it brings the cost of goods up. So you can't get everything on that list for the 2000 bucks. You got to leave a few things off. And that inflation is actually eroding your buying power that you're receiving from a fixed payment investment like a mortgage. Now, if you gave me that mortgage and that's done, you really can't do anything about it. But if you see inflation on the rise or you presume inflation is going to be rising, you say, well, the next time I do a loan for somebody, I have to account for that more rapid erosion. So what I need to do is start a little bit safer perch, a little bit up higher to offset that more rapid erosion, which means I have to charge a higher interest rate. Inflation is very low, which is why rates are low. A lot of people are forecasting inflation to be higher. I hear it all the time. And I think that it will be a little bit higher, but for a period of time. And I'm going to explain why I think that it changes. So inflation is in some cases due to the fact that maybe we get a little more stimulative economy. God willing, we get past the pandemic and people are starting to say, okay, well, that'll create a lot of spurt of economic activity. All this stimulus that's out there will cause and drive economic activity. So people are forecasting inflation. We've got a lot of spending that we're doing right now a lot of debt that we're in. The thing of it is, is that that burst that you get wears off. Example that I'd love to use with you, David, is imagine a family who wants to buy a car. So you could buy a car one of two ways. We could do it where like when we were kids, you save up and then you get it. Right. Or what everyone loves is some instant gratification, right? Let me have it now and I'll yeah. pay it off over time. So if you have it now, all you're doing with credit is you're taking tomorrow's future purchase and bringing it forward today. So as you do that, you get an initial spurt of activity. That car dealer makes money, the manufacturer makes money, the salesperson makes money, and it creates a little bit of a spike in economic activity. However, after that femoral spike wears off, you are left with the debt that that family now has eight or $900 a month less every month for the next five years that they can use to stimulate activity. So you get that push and then the fade which is exactly what happens with governments with this huge spending. You get this initial push, and right now all that money seems to be going in either DraftKings or Robinhood, right? So this is what most people who try to forecast don't really wrap their arms around. And we have empirical evidence everywhere in the world, Japan, China, UK, Italy, France, Germany, United States. As debt goes down, interest rates go up. And as debt goes up, which it has been doing, interest rates go down. So while we might see a little bit of a move higher, I think we will see a lot of downward pressure. So why does that happen? Let's tie a loop around it. Slower economic activity because you have now less money to stimulate the economy over time reduces the pressure on inflation and that brings interest rates lower. Also reducing the pressure on inflation is technology, constantly making things be able to be done more conveniently, faster and cheaper. And that keeps a lid on inflation as well. I'm not saying there's no inflation out there, but I think that inflation will be under pressure and I think rates will be under pressure to provide us with a really good interest rate environment. Boy, that's so encouraging. All right, so you say you agree that there's a probability rates could inch up slightly. So the end of last year, we were forecasting that we're going to see a move up in rates. And we're, now we're going through that. It's not crazy, 
But we're right. going through that transition. I don't see the 10-year Treasury getting above 1.25. I know so many experts are saying it's going to 2 3%. And Jeremy Siegel was all over CNBC yep. saying 10 years going to 3% and mortgage rates going to 5%. We don't think that that's even a remote possibility of happening. I couldn't agree with you more. No wonder you are so well-liked by those that listen to you the mortgage industry because this plays exactly into what we're saying and what many of us are saying. We have the best years in mortgage lending ahead of us because of the demographics. We got all of Gen Zers and the millennials are coming into the housing market at unprecedented rates. So this is a bit of a perfect storm. Well, it's kind of the best of times, worst of times thing. While we're all happy about what's going on and people are doing well, it is really critical right now that you work on your business and not just in your business because what is going on in the background, while many are too busy to notice, is that a lot of public money has come in to flood the coffers of your competitors. And that flood of money, literally billions of dollars that are now available, will suit them very well in a price war. So should the market just retreat a little bit? And let me just give you some outlines here. At 3.125 or 3% mortgage rate, you might lose half the refinance business. The reason is, is because right now, about 55% of all mortgages are below 4%. And if you believe, like most people, that you need about three quarters of a percent for that incentive to want to refinance, that means you get to three and an eighth or so, and you could start to lose about 50% of the refinance incentive out there. So in a price war, it's going to be difficult for many people to compete with some of these behemoths that are now flush with cash that want to turn this business into a commodity. They want to make it so that somebody with a headset can answer phones and take orders and make it all about price. Their narrative is it's kind of the same as buying a flat screen TV. It's all about price, right? And if we could do it quickly for you. But really what they're missing is that it's the strategy behind it that is absolutely critical, David. Yeah. And I know many people listening know this, but you can do so many things with a mortgage. It is a financial tool. It's not like buying a flat screen TV. And the narrative they want is it's a commodity. But that's a lie. Because yeah. while that monthly payment might be the same whoever you go to, the way it affects and impacts the individual is completely different how it affects one family and another. Not just monthly payment, the amount they take out, the term of the loan, the way they accelerate, if they're paying down debt, how their other debts are influenced by this, what their future holds for them, and what they're anticipating. Never do one mortgage at a time. You always do right. two mortgages at a time. The one you're doing today and how it interlocks with the one you're going to do down the road that your competitors haven't thought about. So these are the types of things that really turn your career as a mortgage salesperson into being an advisor, but you can't give what you don't have. So when you mention the year that we have and the good looking future that we have from the positive standpoint, we just went through the negative, but here's the positive. You've never had this situation before. Well, clearly the lowest rates ever. You never had that. If that wasn't a gift enough, you have the hottest real estate market we've ever seen. Now, why is that so important? Because it's the hottest and it's the healthiest. And typically when rates are low, the economy is stagnant and slow and we're trying to stimulate housing because it's soft. Well, here you've got super hot housing and super low rates. If that weren't enough, you've never in the history of the U.S. seen more equity in homes than you have today, right now. You've been given this opportunity. By the way, if those three jackpots weren't enough, let me give you another one. Is that in 2020, many of you listening have had a banner year, which gives you one other enormous advantage. You now have the resources to invest. It has never been like this. So either people are going to make the decision to just 
go day to day and figure it out and then deal with the problems that they will invariably be facing in the future or today is the day you change your career, you change your family's life and your life and you build a moat around that business for the future because the first and biggest investment you're going to make is in your best asset. Right between your ears is everything that you need. Are you feeding your brain? Are you growing every day? How is your knowledge? Are you learning? I'm a lifelong learner as you are, okay? So in every top producer that I talk to, they read. They're constantly doing more. And then are you using those dollars to build out your team? Are you taking that money and are you saying, okay, I'm too busy. If you're too busy, that's A, it's a good thing. means you're kind of making some money. So take some of that money and build out your team. Build out your automation. Build out your assistants, build out your junior loan officers, take the money and reinvest in the best thing you can invest. People say, what do I invest in? What do I invest in? What you invest in? Invest in you. So which is a great time to put in a plug for your book, Money in the Street. You published a book and hit the number one bestseller list on Amazon. Not surprising. How convenient to have that right behind you as well as Rock of Ages, one of my favorite Broadway shows that you were so big in. But that's what MBS Highway can do. I love what you do. You're so much about education. Not only that, we've had some wonderful economists on. We've given some wonderful predictions, some of the brightest minds out there. But what I love about the way you break it down is you bring it to the loan officer uh, frame of reference, his level of understanding, but relate it to his business. So Money in the Streets is a big plug. Go get it. You can get it on Amazon, right? Barnes & Noble. It's on Audible. Listen, it'll help you. Did you narrate it? I did. So now I'm not as good as one of those professional readers, David. I love it. I want to hear your voice. It's for me, it's hear the personality that wrote the book because some of it will come out. It's like home cooking. It's burned around the edges a little bit, a little crispy maybe, but I love it. So some of the things you're doing in MBS Highway, we're going to go right into just a brief little promotion of what you're doing here because you do so much in the way of education. Talk about some of the educational elements that you have been doing, but also are there any things that you could be doing differently and more of in the in 2021 with MBS Highway? Yeah, we constantly adapt because that's the main thing that we want to do. We've adapted every single market that changes, whether it be a month later, a week later, a year, whatever it is, we're going to constantly adapt. So creating certified mortgage advisor, big one, that's really critical right now. So many people who have gone through, just just look at the reviews on it. It's, it's through the people's I've been in the business 25 years. I learned more in this than I could in 20. I'll put up against any college. So it's changing people's lives and careers and people are very, very proud of the accomplishment of being certified and learning this and then transferring it to their customers. So in addition to that, we're looking at the market right now. We know it's hot. 56% of transactions have multiple offers. 20% of closings are cash offers, which means probably closer to 25% of offers are cash. How do you compete with that? Well, we can't help a cash buyer really, right? So we're going to be up against the cash buyer and we're going to have that competing offer is the person we're going to be representing. The realtors, depending on us, how do we win that? You win it simply by your customer, if it's right to do so, bidding a little bit more. Now, we don't want people to bid poorly, which is why we created a tool that will evaluate that for you. And what it evaluates is, okay, here's your ABM value, which, by the way, we give you a free ABM so you stay up at Zillow and not get pixeled so that you get bombarded with all kinds of ads from your competitors and your realtors' competitors. So when you do wind up getting that value today, what we do is we put it in a report that shows you, okay, if you're going to bid over the value today, we know the appreciation for every zip code. We do that. So we will tell you at what point in time the value of your home will eclipse the amount that you're bidding today. So maybe you're bidding more than it's worth today, but look, if it's going to take four years for it to get there, don't do it. Don't just say, oh, I guess I'll bid this much. Don't do it. And if you are going to be able to see maybe in three months or four months, I'll be a higher value and look what it's going to be a year or five years from now. 
wow, it's a great investment. Even if I'm bidding more than I'm wanting to or that I'm comfortable with today, it makes sense. Now, there are other factors, David, we're not immune to the fact that we've got to make sure that if it doesn't appraise for that today, that you wind up being able to come up with the difference or whatever. That We know that there are things that we have to navigate through. However, this tool has been a godsend. Realtors and mortgage professionals are like losing their mind that are using it. It gives them a huge advantage. And then we take our ABM, we let you put it on your website or you're co-branding it on your realtor's website. So now you capture that realtor because everybody goes to that realtor's website, drives traffic, the realtor loves it. But every time they do, they see your smiling face there. So good. Other tools on this website, the knowledge that's here, so educating, which went off the, down that path. And I want to make sure everyone realizes, if you, most likely our listeners are, but if they're not, go check this out, mbshighway.com, and then the book's right there, and then go log in and get signed up. That's for sure. I want to talk about housing supply, because one of the, the biggest headwinds to any success we're going to have, this is the supply. We have got such an issue of supply. We've had this issue, and we're having banner record years, largely because of the refinances that have been going on out there. That's really what pushed us into the banner above anything we've ever done before. But to get to the next level in the market, we have to have good supply. Talk about the headwinds of the lack of supply in the market, and what's your predictions there, Barry? You've got builders in a position where the COVID pandemic shut them down essentially for six months, Dave, and you can't just poop and make that up. The lower end of the scale is where you really need the inventory, but because lumber has gone up so much, it's hard to make money doing those lower end transactions for builders. So it's not that they're greedy, they're just being business people. So there are challenges in meeting the demand. Now the demand is going to increase dramatically due to the fact that if you look at birth rates from over 30 years ago, those people are coming of age today. And what you will notice, go back 30 some odd years, 33 years, you will see an explosion that occurred 1988, 89, 90, 91 in births. That's gonna to translate to an explosion in first time home buyers in the next four years from now. So you haven't seen anything yet. That's going to really squeeze the demand situation, which there's only a 1.9 months supply on existing homes that represents 85% of the housing market. And get this, right now there's 1.07 million homes for sale. Now why is that so relevant? During the housing bubble, to put it into context for you, there was three and a half million homes for sale. There's 1.07, so huge difference there. The amount of households has increased by eight million because of population growth. So many fewer homes, many more households, and those households are going to grow. And unfortunately, the people in Washington, they may have good intentions, but this proposal for a $15,000 tax incentive for a first-time home buyer, in my opinion, it misses what the focus should be. Their focus is, let's make it easier for the first-time home buyer. We don't have to incent more first-time home buyers. There are tons of them. If you do this, it's just a repeat of what happened 10 years ago when people in a much different housing market, which could have accommodated this, flooded to buy before the tax credit expired. They pushed prices up parabolically for a short period of time. And then when it was over, all the people that normally would have bought had already bought, pushing prices up. And many of them pushed it above appraised value so that to borrow money to make something work, it was a mess. And then prices declined. We need you in DC, that's for sure. So we'll probably see something 
that could rhyme with that, but it would be a terrible situation for those buyers. It's going to be a mess for the mortgage originators because people will be flooding and then they price the homes won't appraise. And then we'll see a decline in values, which will hurt. What we have is a problem of a lack of supply. And think about elderly people. They used to go to long-term facilities. They're not doing that now. So that supply is sitting on the market too. So what we really need to do is say, how can we get more supply? That supply comes from builders. Maybe there's a way to say, if you build homes in this price range, what we'll do is we'll help subsidize that for the person buying it in the lower price range to help that. And let's get the builders to be incented to do that. I'm not saying give them a free lunch, give them a free ride, but make it so that it's easier for that builder to put a home up for somebody in a price range that we really need. Yeah. And lumber is going up at an exponential rate, just escalating how that's not playing in inflation, but it's going to have an impact on home values. So we know home values are really solid. We're in double digits again, I believe. Is that correct? You know that. Yeah. According to CoreLogic, which has been, oh my God, so wrong. They are saying 9.2%. Remember, this is the same CoreLogic that said that, that we'd get down 6.6, we're up 9.2. So they missed it by 15.8%. And they're married to their bad forecasts. So they think that the next 12 months is 2.9. It's going to be much stronger than that. Probably six, seven percent is what we're thinking. Some are forecasting ten. If you go by Kishilo's numbers, they saw ten percent year over year. And if you go by FHFA, eleven percent appreciation that we've seen. I don't know if we keep up on those same levels. Maybe it cools a little bit, but still six or seven percent is amazing. Remember, six percent appreciation. If you buy a home with ten percent down on your investment, you got a sixty percent rate of return. That's amazing. Talk a little bit about what you see, the transformation that's taking place. How do you see the industry transforming? The behavior of the new millennial buyer and the Gen Zer buyer, which is, you met my daughter. She's, by the way, the, you had her out on the on the Yankees field out there. She had such a great time. Both of my daughters did that. Thank you. They'll remember Mary and B for the rest of their lives over that. She's now married. She and her husband are doing really well, and they're out going to be buying their first home. But what was interesting is they definitely want to talk to someone, but it's when. It's not up front. They want to educate. They want to go online. They want, at least that's what we're seeing, and a lot of our clients are experiencing this. How are you advising them to adjust their business strategy to accommodate any changes that are out there? Would you agree with that, that we're going to see behavioral changes and how they go about it? Well, God bless your lovely daughter and husband and congratulations, and they're definitely doing the right thing. So what we have to do is educate them. We have to take that role. Don't let somebody else take that role because then they own them. How do we do it? So we can't put up Super Bowl commercials. We know that. Okay, but what you can do is to get out there and A, build your social media on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and then post videos. It's not that hard to do. It's not easy to just whip it up, which is why we create a script for you. We have Social Studio, which if you could read for 40 seconds, you could put an educational piece and build your audience, and then you're the authority, and then they're going to come to you. The kind of video your daughter and her husband want to watch for making the right decisions on the largest financial transaction they're going to make are what the person who's listening to this right now needs to be doing. You need to be the authority. And it's very easy to do. And that's why we created an MBS How It's the only tool of its kind. We turn your computer into a teleprompter or your phone, and you just read for 40 seconds, and you get tons of views, tons of comments, tons of like, and then engage with them to build your audience. And now you've got exactly what you need in this market, which is using the median of social media and all those platforms that I mentioned so that you can reach individuals and be the authority, be the educator, be the voice that they need to listen to so that when they eventually email and talk to you on the phone, then you can really impress them with the knowledge that you've learned. Because remember, you continue to invest on the best asset that you have. And remember that you also can't give what you don't have. So if you don't feed this and learn it, and I don't mean just qualifying, you need to understand the marketplace. You really do. 
because you have to be that advisor, not a salesperson. We talked about what the future of this. Look no further. You've heard me say this many times in the past. Look no further than the travel agency industry. People that did that, but they got more uh, stockbrokers. The ones that remained are advisors, financial advisors, FAs, right? They used to be stockbrokers. Don't let that happen to you because changes are inevitable and the individuals that don't make these investments today, it will be an uphill climb for you later if you don't. Yeah, so interesting, the number of new companies that are coming in. Thanks to Casey Crawford, who Googled how to start a mortgage company. Fortunately, my website is the one that he landed on. He liked what I had. I had a video, and I had an informative video there. So 12, 13 years ago, he saw that and go, I like that innovation. I'm going to go to that guy. And we've been friends. I still serve on his board to this day. And we're talking about the power of being able to communicate and train advice. Your website has some wonderful tools. Go to the MBS Highway website. And then you could just read what Barry's already prepared and shared. I, I love that. I want to go into another one of the areas, which is technology. Again, because of that video that Casey Crawford created, we get tons of anyone that seems to be going into the mortgage business for the first time comes to and finds that video and they call me. And we're finding some of the best capitalized. Barry, some of these companies are coming in at five, ten, fifteen million dollars capitalization as a startup. And when they're coming in at that level and they're going, how can we compete? How do we go there? And they're already going to where I want to go next. And that is automation, the videos of where what is going to take out the traditional um, stockbroker, uh, travel agent in our industry. That metaphor is such a good one. We're going to see that happen. What's the time frame that's going to happen or what tools should they be using? We've already talked about video. What else should they be using? Well, another one is how about cab drivers with what Uber oh. and Lyft did, right? So, so first of all, we, we all love Casey. He's amazing. What he's built is amazing and could not have hooked up with a better guy than you, as anybody would, would want to do is go and get advice from you at any point in time, but especially if they were going to be building a company. But Casey not only did that, but then he did the other part of it, which was implementing work like crazy to make sure he built something. What we want to make sure that we do is we look to the future and we look at automation because Look, the only thing we don't have is time, right? So you have three parts of a sales process. You have prospecting, you have selling, and then you have follow-up and customer retention. So you can automate a lot of the retention parts if you make the investments. Mm -hmm. You can also, to some degree, at least leverage the prospecting side. We talked about things like doing videos and being educated. But the selling thing is really where you need your input in many cases. So while your team will help you facilitate the sale and get you through the sales process to closing to where you get paid on that sale with a great team that you need to invest in, the time that you want to allocate most is in growing and learning so that during the sale itself, you're able to impress upon that customer how knowledgeable you are, how safe they are being with you, how they're going to constantly learn from you. And if they don't go to you, they're going to be missing out. So that even if they go to somebody who might offer a lower rate, after listening to you, they are going to be drawn to you. And I'm not saying you get every single transaction, but your batting average, your ratio of conversation to application will be dramatically higher, solely predicated by the level of expertise that you gain and the tools and resources that you use to make the experience better for the customer. It's not all about rate and it's not all about an individual's salesmanship. Look, I played a lot of sports when I was younger and like many kids wanted to be a professional athlete. You know how much I love sports, David. So it just wasn't in the cards for me. I wasn't good enough. And that's the thing about sports. It wasn't because I didn't try. I was early to practice. I stayed late. I tried to do everything I could, but that's really just God-given talent is a big, big part of it. In sales, 
It's up to one thing. It's up to you. How bad do you want it? It doesn't matter if somebody's faster, taller, stronger, can jump up. It doesn't matter. It matters here, heart. How much do you want it? And that will directly correlate to your level of success. So as long as you do the other things we're saying. But it's completely in your control. That is so true. Those are words of inspiration. We could just end the podcast right there. But I know your knowledge of Wall Street. You're in New York. I'll never forget when I first met you in Studio B for the first time, you and I are sitting on a couple of stools answering phone-in questions, how Cheryl Cassone sat there for that long in that stool without needing a break. It was just amazing to me, but it was so much fun there and watching you share that knowledge that you have in such abundance. But I want to talk about where you see the stock market going. We're looking at where it's at all-time highs. You look at the GameStop. Just give us the very big wisdom as we wrap this up. So all-time highs aren't something that's scary. They're actually, it's a good thing when you see an all-time high because maybe it's, it, there's momentum there. But the markets are typically something that you can use contrarian indicators. In 1929, Joe Kennedy forecasted because he met with a shoeshine boy who started talking stocks. And he said, wait a minute, if everybody's in the market, where's the new money going to come from? If even the shoeshine boy's in it, and he was right, even though everybody thought it was wrong. When we saw uh, dot-com trading, when you had cab drivers doing that, with E-Trade platforms and everybody was jubilant about the marketplace and then sure enough that bubble burst. We saw it in 2007 and we are seeing a lot of those similarities today because you've got a lot of young kids with Robinhood. That is a sign that this market is maybe a little bit long in the tooth but when you look at valuations, every valuation metrics is at the highest levels in the 100th percentile in the stock market's history you know, price to sales, price to book, price to earnings, all of them are in the highest level they've ever been. And a lot of people shrug it off, but one day this is going to matter. A little over 20 years ago, I was younger, a guy by the name of Jack Cromit, one of my mentors, who was my mentor for a long time. I used to go to him a lot for advice. There were a few people that really made a difference for me, him and Lacey Hunt. These are really people that influenced the way I look at these things. Jack Cromit said to me, he said, Barry, he said, I know the markets, but one day somebody's going to pull the plug on this thing and it's going to end badly. He said, I'm just telling you, he says, right now I look like I'm wrong. Everybody's in the party. And sure enough, the NASDAQ went from 5,000 to 1,000, right? Shortly after his forecast, maybe two or three months later. So it never happens you know, as quick as you think it will. But then when it happens, it happens faster than you ever dreamed possible. And I see a lot of similarities. And when you see the speculative mm. action marketplace in the message boards, you see things like GameStop, this volatility can hurt a lot of people. It's been said the stock market was going to hurt the most people at the worst time in the worst way. So we are at dangerous yeah. times here if we're not at least some degree careful. I'm not saying get out, walk away, but if you're going to be money quickly or in the near future, maybe just hedge things a little bit, maybe buy some puts, maybe buy some VIX, maybe just right. think about this, David. Because listen, when we look at things like GameStop, the message boards, it, it was actually very smart. They looked at overly shorted stocks and, and shorting uh, just means that Yep. People don't own the stock. They've actually sold it without owning it. They borrowed shares and sold it with hopes that the price drops, and then they'll come back in. So they look at stocks that have a big short position. GameStop had 1.4 times the float. You never see that. So 20% short, 30% short, 140% short, this was an easy target. So when you start getting a lot of crowds of people like you can with Robinhood, like you have now with these message boards, to push that stock price higher, what happens is by it going up, the people who have a short position are now losing money, losing money, and because they don't yet own the stock, and it is theoretically unlimited the amount they could lose, they get margin calls that say, you've got to buy to cover your short position. And that push of buying pushes the thing much, much, much higher, 
And that's what you see an explosion, especially on a low float stock, you can really influence it. So they're picking targets like AMC, GameStop, but these things will always end badly because fundamentally the company's not worth anywhere near that. It's fine to trade at a momentum, but it got to go back to the fundamentals. I'll never forget those early lessons from my dad. Traded my way through college, made a lot of money during that time. It's a great hobby, but you got to respect it. You've got to listen to it. Folks, listen to that advice right there. That is excellent. One of the greatest investors of all time, Sir John Templeton, said that bull markets are born on pessimism. They grow on skepticism. They mature on optimism, and they die on euphoria. There is a Citigroup panic euphoria index. A reading above 0.4 is euphoria. The dot-com bubble burst at 1.5. We're at 2.01. I had the privilege of meeting him before he passed away and having dinner with him in NASA. And it was just one of those events where I got seated at the table just to sit there to listen to this guy talk. There's so much wisdom. But the other thing he had that was a notable and a common denominator between you and he was humility. I love the fact, the thing that Patrick Lencioni says, it says if there are three attributes, it comes out of the book that the ideal team player is find someone who's hungry, someone who's smart, and who is humble. The humility is the hardest thing to find. So Barry Habib, thank you so much for your humility, being an example to this industry, being a resource to this industry as you are, and most of all, for being just a great friend to this industry and to me personally. Thank you, friend. I really appreciate you. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Thank you for your friendship. And thank you for all you guys watching. Wishing you nothing but the best. Thank you, Barry, for being here with me today. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.